0: The Missional Life Podcast, inspiring kingdom-minded believers around the world to live the mission of God in their
1: lives. All right, welcome back to the Missional Life Podcast. Today we have Dr. Alex McFarlane. Dr. Alex McFarlane is a religion and culture expert a national talk show host and speaker, author of 18 books, creator of Truth for a New Generation Apologetics Conference, and host of Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Dr. Alex McFarland, welcome to the show.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Dan and Amanda. It's really privileged to be with you guys. And, you know, um, you and I met at a conference probably, probably about a year ago, and I was so impressed with both of you and just appreciate what you do and the missional life. So it's a real privilege to be on. I I thank you. Thank Thank you.
1: Thank you. We like to get right into things. Let's uh, start right here. We want to start broad and big picture here. Our culture has and continues to change radically as each month or even weekday passes. As a religion and culture expert, what are some of the most concerning changes you are seeing at the present?
0: Well, well, thanks very much. Um, you know, I love this nation. I really do uh, every now and then when I 'm traveling and I talk about America and you know one of the things that I do is I teach on the history of the u s Constitution and um, I a lot of the way that I've supported myself over the last twenty five years has been to teach at places like Liberty University and right now I'm at Caris Bible College in Colorado um, I've spoken at probably 200 American universities, and it's a great honor. And I originally was just teaching worldview, like Christian theology, biblical worldview, philosophy, and how worldview matters. And I began to write on and wrote several books on America and the philosophy and the foundational beliefs that gave us the United States of America. And you know what, believe it or not, I, I kid you not, at 57 years old, I'm actually contemplating of going back to school and going to law school because mm-hmm. um, I am so passionately um, committed to the thing that makes America unique. And this relates to your question, Dan. Um, I'm gonna say this, the most important topic that nobody is talking about like nobody talks about this is the thing that made America unique and great Uh, and it's called natural law it's the belief that there's this moral knowledge is written on the heart of all people everybody knows right from wrong now we don't always do what's right but deep in our heart we we really do know what's right And um, the founders, like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, they they would use phrases like natural law, self-evident truth. They would talk about the laws of nature and nature's God. Now, while of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, probably 54 were Christian, and even the two that we're not so sure about um, were more conservative and moral than most ministers today. But to your question, the thing that concerns me most of all has been, it's, it's been building for about 25, 35 years, but it's the um, ignoring, if not suppressing, of morality. We're a culture on the doorstep of pandemonium and chaos just lawlessness because we've had in entertainment education and politics just the suppression suppression of awareness of morality and it's it's really starting to take its toll
2: so you mentioned in the past 25 30 years um you know, can you give maybe one or two examples of that, um, just where that shift happened during that time period?
0: Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go backwards a little bit. Um, in 1973, there was a thing that was written called the Humanist Manifesto II. Now, there had been a Humanist Manifesto back about 1925, I think it was. But a group of philosophers and uh, futurists, they called it was like a guy named Buckminster Fuller. And there were futurists that were trying to make a better world. And what they didn't know was the best world that a human could build already was here. It was called the United States of America. Mm. Back when we actually believed in a Judeo-Christian moral code. But in 1973, there was the Humanist Manifesto Part Two. And they were saying that um, we have to have population control and we need a more socialist Marxist government and we can't rely on any deity to save us. Man is the measure. Well, in 1974, there was a hit song that really, because here's the thing, a bunch of old Caucasian philosophers, they don't really arrest the imagination of the public, but you put a celebrity and a hit song behind it and you're gonna influence people. And the song that really expressed the sentiments of the Humanist Manifesto and the humanism, secular, anti-God movement, American utopianism, we'll build heaven on earth. The pop song was Imagined by John Lennon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I'm a pretty big Beatle fan, but I recoil, I loathe the song "Imagine." You know, imagine there's no heaven, no religion, uh, this utopia on earth. So humanism, secularism, celebrities like John Lennon and, you know, Frank Zappa was a rock star. And he once said, you know, the the fish symbol on the car, the Christian fish symbol, Frank Zappa once said at a pro-choice rally, he said, when you see that fish on the back of a car, just know that is the enemy. Mm -hmm. And that that, clearly that's what pop media believes. I think about Jan Winner, the publisher of Rolling Stone magazine. uh, Very um, wicked publication, Rolling Stone. But to your question, Amanda, the biggest thing by far, by far, the cultural juggernaut that did more to cut us loose from our Judeo-Christian foundations the the most detrimental thing in American history, honestly, was the Roe versus Wade decision in 1973, and I'll tell you why. Not just because of the death of 62 and a half million human beings. That's sad enough. And and one week ago, uh, Sunday, so nine days ago, I spoke in the Roe versus Wade courtroom. You know, what's really wild is you go in that courtroom in Dallas where the decision was made. Now, think about this. Our Declaration, Constitution, Bill of Rights says every human being has rights. The light went off in the. Let me move around so the room will turn the light back on.
2: Sorry. Oh, no problem.
0: It's one of those deals where a timer turns the lights off. But listen, our government says you as a human have rights. Not because the government gives you rights. Uh, JFK in his 1961 inauguration speech said the role of government is not to give you rights. The role of government is to to guard the rights you already have given to you by God. Mm -hmm. But Roe versus Wade said, no, there is no legal protection for the unborn and the mother can abort the baby. So this was the first time that legally, judicially, we said, no more are we going to live, govern, and proceed based on belief in objective moral truth. Now, here's the thing, people ask me, uh, in 2015, why did the Supreme Court uh, do something that 6,000 years of human history has called unnatural? Why did we legalize gay marriage? Here's the point, there are are really gradations of our conscience. Um, Most people uh, don't feel too bad about telling a lie, but they do feel bad they're not gonna rob a bank or murder somebody. Here's here's the reason that there's no moral boundary that won't fall as long as we're a nation that aborts babies. Because here's the thing, if you can murder a helpless unborn baby and you don't feel any conscience about it, I doubt you're going to care who's getting in bed with whom. I mean, if you can brutally, look, it would take Adolf Hitler times seven to kill as many people as the USA and championed by the Democrat Party as we've killed since 1973 i mean the and i stood in that courtroom and spoke one week ago uh the roe versus wade jurors would look at adolf hitler and say amateur (laughs) you know so um i won't be so long on any other answers but we are a nation morally spiritually culturally socially economically even intellectually adrift because after 240 years of uh god and truth and morality we said you know what it's okay um to kill for convenience and so it does grieve me that we stand to lose everything rather than admit that there are some moral boundaries that shouldn't be broken Mm.
2: you know um, several months ago we actually had um an amazing opportunity to speak with Dr. Elvita King um, about the Roe v. Wade documentary um, the bo- movie that just came out last year. And so um, just want to encourage our listeners to go take a look at that Roe v. Wade um, movie from 2021. It is very informative about how things did happen with that, the corruption and the conflict of interest that did occur during that time that I certainly was not aware of. I know Dan was not aware of. Mm -mm. Um, So again, it's just a very good um, informational, um, very compelling, interesting um, show to watch on that topic.
1: Absolutely.
0: She's wonderful, isn't
2: she? Yes. Absolutely. Dr. Alveda King. So
1: passionate Mm -hmm. and so, so zealous and, and, and intelligent. So yeah, what an Mm -hmm. honor. And we're just happy to, we're, we're blessed as a nation to have people like you and, and, and her advocating for, and, and standing for truth in, in such uh public position. So thank Absolutely. you to, for that. You know, you mentioned, um, kind of that Romans one, uh, situation really that, that people stopped worshiping God. And it's from there on out, it's just kind of a really, really big downward spiral. And yeah. I really kind of think about that really is our nation has, in a sense, deconstructed our, our, our history, you know, has ta- taken God out of our history and, and it's kind of to your point. Now we are killing for convenience. You know, it's, it's, it's a slippery slope once you start taking God out of the equation. And uh, so I think that's well said, uh, that that's one of your biggest, uh, concerns right now on a quick personal note, you mentioned the the song imagine and how, you know, it had a, a strong theme and, you know, it's, it's kind of atheistic. And, uh, I remember a number of years ago, I don't usually bring stories like this up, but I was in, uh, a college program and we were in we were in cuba and we were going to actually have a about a five and a half hour q a with fidel castro and we were walking through the streets of havana and they were playing that song imagine on our way over to meet him and i just was thinking about how you said that you really didn't like the message and really and that really became a, a manifesto for that time period Um, and so it really brought that back into my mind. And, you know, we, we, we hear songs like that. We hear ideas like that and we associate them with regimes like, uh, like in Cuba and, and other places as well. So,
0: but but, by the way, do you recall the name, uh, Christopher Hitchens, the, the late atheist Christopher Hitchens?
1: I don't No.
0: Wow. That's fascinating. Christopher Hitchens was, uh, a very, very, very influential atheist for a while. Uh, I debated him. I moderated debates with him. Uh, we became, I don't know if I could say friends, but we emailed back and forth. Uh, he died around December of 2011, I think it was, or maybe 2012. But, um, it's interesting. Um, it's, it's kind of poignant really, because, uh, Some of his fans, uh, I debated an atheist in South Dakota who said there is no God, but uh, Christopher Hitchens comes pretty close. And now he's not been dead even a decade and uh, he's almost forgotten. But in his day was very influential. And here's the thing, Christopher Hitchens was a Brit and he became an American citizen. And he wrote a very good biography of uh, Thomas Jefferson called Thomas Jefferson, the first American. And while Christopher Hitchens, sadly, was an atheist, and he was very articulate, he was very intelligent, very well-read guy, and he could he could weave sentences, and he could craft words and spin thoughts. And his uh, articulation and enunciation and uh, uh, lugubriousness, shall I say, uh, in his honor was really kind of almost his undoing because he was um, very, very confident in his own extensive vocabulary. Uh, But he was an atheist. But listen to this about Hitchens. Hitchens was pro-life, partly because he understood, like many of we Christians, that the X factor, the secret sauce that made America unique was we were based on natural law. Now, when you talk about life and abortion, the left will quickly say, keep your laws off my body. Now, you and I both know that when we're talking about uh, the termination of the unborn, um, while the baby may be in the womb of the expectant mother, uh, the abortion doesn't terminate the body of the mother, it terminates the body of the baby, who is a human being. Now, I want to quote Christopher Hitchens. He spoke in Virginia at um, a college in uh, 2008, and Hitchens said this, and this is about a 95% verbatim quote, but Christopher Hitchens said that the the unborn baby is a human being to say otherwise is nonsense. Mm. He said... As a human being, the unborn baby is a member of society and is due all of the rights afforded by and defended by the US Constitution. And because we believe that people have inherent, inalienable rights, the most primary being the right to life. Now, listen, Hitchens, the atheist, Arch atheist, Christopher Hitchens said, the decision on the fate of the baby cannot be left in the hands of the mother alone he said i don't say this out of any supernatural beliefs because of course you know i have none now here's my point one of the most brilliant most literate most well-read persons of the latter 20th century christopher hitchens and the reason i say this is for two reasons because the pro-choice pro-abortionists say well Um, keep your laws off my body, but here's the thing, Um, you don't have the legal right to unilaterally make decisions that impinge or undermine the rights of another human being, you know, I I can't say, Mm -hmm. well, um, you know, I don't like so-and-so, therefore, I deem that they can't own a car anymore, well, you don't have the right to say that, because my natural rights End where your natural rights begin. But the other thing in in quoting Hitchens, whenever I talk about pro-life, pro-choice discussions, they'll say, well, you're a Christian, you're you're a Bible believer. So First Amendment prohibits you from imposing your Christian views on me. Fair enough. I believe that we we shouldn't argue the, the issue of life based on Christianity here's the thing, morals and religion are two different things. Now, uh, as a Christian, the Bible affirms the morality written on the heart of all people, but I think we need to help people understand that the, the non-establishment clause of the First Amendment, Congress will make no law regarding the establishments of religion. The non-establishment of religion doesn't mean the abolition of all morality. Do you see see where I'm going with that? So I think it's important to understand, and this is a great untold story, there is a rising tide of secular, even atheist, Mm pro-lifers. Because like Hitchens, a lot of people realize if we abolish natural law, or we can't abolish it, but I mean, if we abolish the awareness of natural law, What we're going to have is a lawless culture, and that's just about where we are. 100%.
1: Mm -hmm. Let's pivot to a different uh, freedom, freedom of speech. Yes. In a society that believes everyone can have their own truth and cancels the social conversation if they don't agree with you. How can we as Christians effectively begin to spark spiritual questions and conversations with others today? And then when we do, what would you say is the most receptive tone we should set when having those conversations?
0: Good question. Yeah, Um, you know, we're we're living in a time of viewpoint discrimination. I've had tweets and Facebook posts censored. Uh, You all probably have, too. You know, every major Christian speaker uh, and many millions of Christians, you know, have had, I I mean, just innocuous things like, uh, you know, just even Bible verses taken down. Uh, I do think we have to be very civil and very respectful with all people with whom we speak. But I've got to encourage Christians, you've got to cut yourselves loose from social media. You know, I mean, Facebook and Twitter, Instagram and TikTok have got to know that they are not the only game in town. Now, you know, there's in technology what they call, you know, people that are early adopters. And invariably, when there are big technological paradigm shifts, you know, the guy who gets to the table first momentarily will have a monopoly on the market or a partial monopoly. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, hey, McDonald's might have had chicken McNuggets first, but eventually everybody's got them. Therefore, you, the consumer, have a choice. You know, I'm praying for the day that face the, the, the major social media platforms, you know, TikTok and IG and Twitter and, and uh, Facebook. Uh, you know, I'm glad that uh, other platforms are emerging. And I mean, they're, they're even. I was at Fort Bragg and I had the privilege of speaking with a group of guys from special ops. They're in national and international defense. But they they told me uh, when they get out of the military, they are starting their own internet. Mm. I know that sounds crazy, but competition is going to be good. We're in a moment of censorship, viewpoint discrimination, and thought control but we have to uh, freedom of expression. I mean, if, if we don't have free speech, we're in a totalitarian fascist culture. That's why, isn't it, isn't it odd that the supposedly social justice warriors, they want to regulate speech. The only problem is uh, it's, that's a self-defeating position because one day somebody will come along and regulate their speech. That's right. You know, I've had, um, I'll be on interviews, and they'll say, well, you're a Christian, you're a right-wing conservative, hyper-conservative Christian. Do you think Muslims should have free speech? I'll say, of course. Yes. And people are like, really? Do you think, I'm like, yes, I am so confident of the power of truth to rise to the top uh, that I want everybody to have free speech. Hang on, I'll make the light come on. Crazy. I don't know if you're going to edit, but it doesn't matter. But yeah, no worries. Uh, the lights go off. Lights are on a timer.
1: Got to keep moving.
0: <laughs> Got to keep moving. Yep.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. We we often seem to sometimes just really think that the right should really apply to us and only us, and really, you know, we also have to defend, make sure that we defend the rights of of really everyone here in this country. You know, we we see that happen in you know in historical terms when you know you you put us versus them and eventually there's you know you get rid of all the thems and they come for the us's right and right. um and so it's it's really important so real quick when we are having those conversations so you know you're you're a religious expert on this and, and cultural expert like how do we go about initiating these conversations with with non-believers i mean i know it kind of comes natural to you because they kind of are inviting you to debate but how does the average christian the missional life person that it wants to engage culture around them how do we begin to have these spiritual conversations in a in a culture that's really saying hey i can believe whatever i want
0: yeah do you know what um well for one thing i know i believe people are very hungry I was at a board meeting for a pretty major ministry about six weeks ago, and 2020-21, among the top three Google searches were um, this, uh, what happens after death? Is there life after death? And are we near the end of time? I mean, this is amazing. Billions of people around the world are Googling variations of this question you know, what happens after death, is there life after death, um, are we near the end of time, so I really, really do think people are, are spiritually hungry, and I think we've got to be willing, if, if you're a Christian, to love people enough to try to, you know, get in, get, steer the conversation towards spiritual things, just try to, um, try listen to this, I mean, I, a lot of times I'll be somewhere traveling, and I'll, you know, people ask me, I mean, strangers, they'll say, so um, you're not from around here. What do you do? And I'll say, well, you know, I'm, I'm a preacher and I'm here to speak or whatever. And uh, listen, I've been in many a convenience store, like putting gas in a rental car. Uh, and I'll say, you know, this nation, uh, we need the Lord. I'm, I'm telling you, America needs the Lord right now. And like everybody in the store will say, that's for sure. That's absolutely right. I'll be in California, New York. Uh, I mean it doesn't matter where you are, people are thinking about God and and I'll always say something like this because I'm trying to discern like where is somebody spiritually it, if somebody says, well you know I, I used to go to church that's been a long time ago. I'm thinking okay they might have some spiritual foundation. Somebody might say, well you know I don't believe in organized religion. I'm like, okay yeah I'm thinking probably you know I'm gonna have to earn, some street cred with these people because they're not predisposed to being favorable about God. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I got to lead the the mailman to Christ. the 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 postman was bringing me a box, and I, I just happened to be at the mailbox. And he goes, um, "You get a lot of boxes, books." He goes, "I'm just here. What do you do? You're always getting books in the mail." And I said, "Well, you know, I I teach at a college." but I'm, I'm really a pastor, you know, and this, I'll say, so um, um, do you have any spiritual beliefs? What, do you have any kind of religious background? What do you believe about spiritual things? And that people will tell you, all right? Second thing, and I let people see, this, this is kind of communication by permission. So if I can somehow steer the conversation anywhere near things of God, I'll say, so, so what are your spiritual beliefs? Do you have any beliefs about God or the soul? You know, And right there, and, and by the way, I've never, ever, ever had anybody say, I don't want to talk about it. People, mm-hmm. people might say, well, yeah, I think we're all basically good people or I used to go to church, or I was brought up Catholic, or they'll, they'll say whatever they say. Then I say some variation of this. I'll say, um, what, what is your authority for that belief? And they'll go, what do you mean? I'm like, we all have beliefs. I've got some beliefs. I'd love to share mine if I may, but like, okay. So you say, if there is a heaven, we all go there. Um, what, what do you base that on? I mean, do you have like, any authority or proof. And people will say, no, I don't know. That's just kind of what I assume. And I'll say, all right, um, could I have permission in two minutes, it'll, it'll take you know, 90 seconds, could I explain what Christianity teaches about the afterlife? Because here's our authority, not my opinion, although I believe, believe me, I, I believe it, but we've got the testimony of the only man who really can speak with authority on this and that's Jesus. Why is Jesus the the final word on life death eternity because he alone one guy in all of history was able to rise from the dead. He went to the other side and came back under his own power. Nobody else has done that. So, you know, what do you believe? What are your what are your authority for that belief? And then I asked this question, you know, people say, um, well, I don't know, I try to be a good person or I think you die and that's the end of it. And I, and I said, look, I was, I was in college, I had those beliefs too, you know. If, if you or I were incorrect on eternity, if, if we had these sincerely held but mistaken beliefs, if, if there was a truth that we needed to know, would you want to hear it? Now, most people, they'll, they'll say, yeah, okay. Once in a blue moon, I ask somebody, I'll say, if you were wrong about eternity, would you want to know? If there was a truth about eternity, would you want to hear it? I think one person has ever said no. And I'm like, really? Like, if you had cancer and there was a cure, wouldn't you want to know about it? most people go, yeah. So anyway, it's like that. And, and I think this, I'll tell you this, Dan, I'll throw it back to you guys, but I I think everybody can develop your own style for sharing the gospel Mm -hmm. and it'll get really comfortable, but you've got to try and, and it'll be awkward and you'll stumble and, you know, but you can lead people to Christ. God will, but you've got to You got to practice and you got to try and it might seem scary, but it's not. Get out there and talk to people about Jesus.
1: Wow. What a powerful template listeners. What he just shared was gold. Essentially what you're saying is, you know, what we've all heard along all along, really seek first to understand then to be understood. And when you ask those questions, it really creates that openness And then the next thing you said was ask for permission. And so many times we really, it's a simple thing. We ask for permission for anything else, um, but we kind of forget to apply that to just sharing our faith and then make it personal. Do it in your own way. It doesn't have to be a one size sort of fits all. This is how Alex McFarlane does it, or this is what he says, and now I have to do the same thing. It's find a way that works for you, that's comfortable, natural, and and do that. And it doesn't have to be that complicated. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing those just basic but so amazing and impacting steps.
2: Yeah, and I just want to highlight too what you said about just really the the minimal amount of rejection when mm. those questions were asked. You we're know, because aren't we? There's this fear, you know, that likes to play out in our minds, like, oh, worst case scenario, they're going to laugh at me, they're gonna, you know be rude or whatever the fear might be you know but just you know hearing you say that is very encouraging and just the way it's approached um is very respectful and kind you know and just shows compassion for others so um just thank you for sharing that
0: well god is so good do you know what i'm i will say this and some of you that might know my story seriously when i was in high school i was so shy um I went to summer school so that I could pass English, so that I could graduate high school. Uh, I went to summer school rather than get up and give a speech in my uh, Southeast Guilford High School. A lot of people that I went to high school with, they know this story. I mean, I'm not like an extrovert, right? But when you come to Christ, you've got a reason to talk to people. And uh, I was at my 25th high school reunion and a guy came up to me and he, he asked me, he said, um, who are you and what have you done with Alex McFarland? Because you're not the same person. I said, yeah, no, I'm not the same person. Jeremiah 20 verse nine, his word was in my heart like a burning fire. So you can do this. But the other thing I want to say to people, and I, I mean, I, guys, I, I'd, I'd love to put this on a billboard. People are spiritually hungry. I will say this in 30 years of being a Christian, and I mean, I've talked to, I, I couldn't tell you, tens of thousands of people and I, dozens of times, maybe hundreds of times, but I'm going to say at least dozens of times, I've talked to people about Jesus and people have said to me, oh my goodness, thank you. You know what? I was just, just like this morning. I said, God, who are you? God, if you're out there, please show me. So here's the deal you're thinking about talking to somebody about Jesus, there is somebody in your pathway that is searching for Jesus. I've had people, I've talked to total strangers. Um, I was at a bank. I, I had to cash a check. And this lady, and I'm not trying to be like flippant, but the, the bank teller, she goes, oh, I just wonder what is the world coming to? And I said, well, you know, here's another question. Who's coming to the world? Wow. And she looked at me and I said, you know, Jesus is coming back. She said, I know, I think about that all the time. Like, what do we do? Jesus is coming. And and I guess we should be ready. And I said, may I tell you how to be ready? So I'm sharing the gospel. People are looking. And I mean, heaven forbid that there's 50 million people saying, God, please reveal yourself to me. And there's 50 million Christians that could be, I mean, speaking into the, the lives of these searching souls folks you'll be if you start talking to people about jesus you're going to be blown away how many people they'll they'll pipe up and they'll go oh my goodness i was just saying god please whoever you are show me mm-hmm. people are hungry folks amazing mm-hmm. guys i say it but i've got to run to a luncheon i'm supposed to speak at a luncheon uno memento oh. so um May we visit
1: again really soon? Absolutely. 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 Well, hey... Real quick, we want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Yes. What an honor to have you. Thank you for sharing so much wisdom with us and our listeners. And uh, hopefully, we, maybe we'll get a chance to see you at the uh, the NRB event. That, sure. Uh, coming up to, uh, not too long from now, actually. So,
0: Well, and let me just say this very quickly. We just redesigned our website, the uh, Alex McFarland website. There's a lot of resources there. July 8 through 10, I'll be at this thing called the Billy Graham Cove, C-O-V-E. Teaching apologetics. And you can, their website is thecove.org. And then we have our annual summer youth apologetics camp, yay, biblical worldview, July 17th through 22nd. And we have youth come from all over North America. And we spend a week, you know, horseback riding, zip line, ropes course, fishing, paddle boarding. But we talk about biblical worldview. And it's really good to sort of unplug disengage, get quiet, away from the noise of the city, and we talk to middle school and high schoolers about biblical worldviews. So if they would, uh, please check out my website, com.
1: Absolutely. Listeners, we'll have those in the show notes. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for being on the show. An honor. We speak blessing over everything. Yes, with thank
2: your you. Hand
0: too. God bless you. We'll see you soon.